everyone, this is Amy Hill. Thanks for tuning in to Amy on the Hill, a podcast born out of Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, which says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. This is Amy, and on this episode of the podcast, we're concluding our study of the Gospel of Mark and of Timothy Keller's book, Jesus the King. I can't believe this is the last day of our study. I don't know if it went as quickly for you as it did for me, but I thought it went by pretty fast. If you're new to the podcast, please don't go anywhere. I'm so happy to have you jump in with us today, and our discussion should be beneficial to you regardless of whether or not you've been reading along. If you're a regular listener, you may have noticed this podcast is being released a day early. It's being launched on Sunday this week instead of Monday. And the Sunday on which it's launching is Palm Sunday. Easter is only one week away. And so again, for all of us, whether we've been reading or not, this is a good time to consider the passages of scripture we've been studying in the Gospel of Mark. For the last two weeks, we've considered the days leading up to Jesus's crucifixion, and then we considered his crucifixion, what he endured, and what that means for us. And today, we're going to consider and celebrate his resurrection. I do realize if you're listening to this podcast on schedule, it might feel a little weird to already be entering into a celebratory state of mind. If you're a little behind schedule, this may be paying off for you. But again, if you're listening on schedule, on schedule, we're technically still in the period of Lent. And so it does feel a bit premature to be considering the resurrection, but Uh, We are going to peek around that corner today in anticipation of the greatest day ever. And as much as in a lot of ways I wish we were, you know, right on schedule with this season, I do have to admit I kind of like that we're getting this little preview. Um, Throughout the next week, I still intend to personally spend time pondering Christ's sacrifice, but I'm someone who generally does like to peek ahead. I don't know if anyone out there listening is like me in that, but I really like knowing what's going to happen. I prefer to know the outcome of a movie or book or television show before I watch it or read it. I know that's so weird to some of you, but I like to read spoilers. I like to skip to the back of books and read the end. Um, when I was getting married and having kids, I did not want to be surprised for my showers. I like knowing what's going on. Um, but I realized, you know, most of real life obviously doesn't allow for spoilers. Um, but I really like when it does, when I know what's going to happen in a movie, I feel like, um, I enjoy the plot more. (laughs) I do. When I know what's going to happen, I'm able to get into the characters more. I notice more. I'll linger 
in the dialogue. Um, suspense literally kills a lot of the details for me in entertainment and in life. And that's probably a podcast for another day because I think to some degree, a lot of us struggle with that, you know, start straining to see what's around the corner rather than enjoying the place we are. But uh, all that to say, uh, I think it's pretty awesome for us to be able to walk through the season of Lent on this side of the resurrection, you know, knowing what's coming next. Um, and so again, that's what we're going to do now. Uh, but before we go any further, let's stop as we always do and pray. Let's thank God for his faithfulness and seeing us through this study here at the conclusion of the study. And let's ask him to prepare our hearts so that through our discussion uh, here, we can all have a greater grasp of the glory of the resurrection. I think we all need that. I know I need that, but we all need the Holy Spirit to help us comprehend this stuff. So let's talk to the Lord about that now. Dear Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name and we thank you for your faithfulness to us throughout this book study. It's cool to think how we're all reading and listening to the same things, but you minister to us individually throughout these many weeks. Your fellowship with each one of us was as unique as every person participating. You know every person who has sought you through your word. You know everyone who has cried out in frustration in confusion and loneliness and pride, in anger, in weakness, and in unbelief. You've heard our questions, our doubts, our hopes, and our fears. Nothing has extinguished your love for us. We haven't come to the end of your patience with us. You refuse to be done with us, and you're forever faithful to complete the good work you started in us. We praise you and we thank you for that, Lord. We know not one of us deserves the great mercy you've wrapped around us, but because of Jesus, we rest in that now. We rest in Jesus' finished work. Because of Jesus, we are worthy to be at this table. We are worthy to engage with you and sit with you and talk with you and serve you. We are worthy because Jesus is worthy. Your word says every promise of your word finds its yes in Jesus. That's 2 Corinthians 120. It says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. So Lord, we ask in Jesus's name, according to Psalm 119, 130, that today the unfolding of your word would give light and that it would impart understanding to us. We are of a simple mind. Help us to understand and better appreciate the glory of the resurrection we ask again that it would not be overly familiar to us, but that you would give us fresh insight, clear eyes, and an open heart to receive something refreshingly new from you this season. Please don't let this be just another season of pastel eggs and ham dinners, Lord. Jolt us to life with the resurrected life of the Holy Son of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
We just prayed that the account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ would not be overly familiar to us. So as we get started, let me ask you to reflect on this question for a minute. Are you at all amazed to consider the claim at the center of the Christian faith that Jesus Christ, though completely innocent, was brutally murdered, was buried in a tomb for three days, and then rose from the dead. Are you at all amazed by that? Do you believe that today? Or have you heard that so many times it's almost like white noise to you? For me, when something is super familiar to me, I tend to stop noticing it and appreciating it. I can do that with people as well. I can take relationships for granted when they become overly familiar and I don't make the effort to appreciate the gift that a person is in my life. And I think similarly, we all have to be careful not to take the tenets of our faith for granted, just like we need to make an effort to appreciate the blessings in our lives and the relationships in our lives. We need to make an effort to allow the miracles of God's redemptive work to surprise us and stun us again and again. It requires us to consider and ponder and reflect on the truly amazing claims at the foundation of our faith. Jesus Christ was dead and buried, and we as Christians believe, as sure as you are listening to these words, uh, that he now lives. He's alive and seated presently at the right hand of the Father, where he waits for his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet. Many weeks ago on the podcast, I mentioned a Timothy Keller sermon called Jesus Vindicated. It is one of my very favorite messages by Tim Keller, and I have a link to a video of that talk in the resources section of my website, amyonthehill.com. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that talk, I want to highly recommend that you take the time to watch that video sometime in the next few weeks. If you have a smartphone, you can watch it right on your phone. It's almost an hour or so in length, a little bit less than that, but just like this podcast, if you need to, you can listen and multitask. So it's not a big deal, but again, I do want to recommend you watch it because in that talk, Keller does an extraordinary job of giving credence to the resurrection. In my opinion, he does an even better job in the talk than he does in this book that we've just read. So you'll definitely want to check it out because I think it's really important for us to think through these things, to even question these things, because really what we believe is pretty incredible. So incredible, in fact, that it may uh, even feel a little scary to think about it too much. Do you know what I mean by that? I thought of an analogy to try to help you understand. Hopefully this makes sense to you. Um, like maybe a wife doesn't want to believe her husband is cheating on her. There's like all these signs that point to the fact that he's cheating, but she really doesn't want to know. So she avoids the signs. She ignores the signs because she really, really needs to believe 
that her husband is faithful. I think that we can be tempted to do things like that in matters of our faith as well. I think sometimes we might be afraid to press into questions we have because we fear our faith will crack under the pressure and we really, really need uh, our faith to be true and so we insulate it from scrutiny. But going back to, you know, the suspecting wife analogy, what if the husband really isn't cheating on the wife? What if instead of burying her head in the proverbial sand, uh, the wife hires a private investigator to follow the husband. She has him tap his phones and document the guy's every move. And what if, you know, when the PI comes to give the wife his report, he shows that the husband has been faithfully going to and from work. He plays recordings of the husband speaking lovingly and respectfully of his wife. And the PI tells the wife he uncovered the husband's secret plan to surprise the wife with a romantic trip for two. What would that do uh, for the husband and the wife's relationship? Uh, I was thinking that the wife might be a little bit crazy. So aside from the fact that the uh, PI hiring wife might be a little crazy for having hired a private investigator in the first place, uh, I think it would otherwise likely strengthen their relationship. The wife would know that the husband can be trusted. She would probably give of herself more freely in the relationship. She would probably be willing to be more vulnerable with her husband. She would probably feel a lot more secure. And I think our faith is often similar when we press into our questions, like questions that we may have about the resurrection, you know, not in a combative or an antagonistic way, but in a respectful sincere way, we're going to see that our faith is sturdy. It will not crack under the pressure. There are very reasonable, logical reasons for believing the resurrection actually happened. And as a result of pressing in, our relationship with the Lord will be strengthened. We'll be more willing to be vulnerable. We'll know our God can be trusted, our faith will increase, and we'll feel a lot more secure. First Corinthians chapter 15 verses 13 through 19 say, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then... Those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. The resurrection is what sets Christianity apart from every other world religion. I did a little research here that I'm going to share with you now. Uh, Buddha died at 80 years of age due to 
natural causes. Muhammad got a fever and died at about 62 or 63 years of age. L. Ron Hubbard, who is the founder of Scientology, died of a stroke at age 74. David Koresh shot himself in the head. He stayed dead. Jesus Christ was murdered at age 33. And three days later, he rose from the dead. That changes everything, doesn't it? In that Tim Keller video, I keep harassing you to watch, um, Keller starts talking about how often people will tell him they can't believe in the Bible because they're offended by some of the teachings in the Bible. And Keller, in response to that, says he'll often ask them whether they think their offense at the Bible somehow makes the resurrection impossible. Keller always comes back to the resurrection and he asks them uh, what they think about that, whether they think that happened, whether they think the resurrection happened. Because Keller says, if the resurrection happened, that's the only thing that matters. If the resurrection happened, we're going to have to deal with what the Bible says, whether we like it or not, because the resurrection changes everything everything. If dead people are walking out of graves, we are not in a position to pick and choose what we're willing to accept or not accept from the God who makes that possible. On the other hand, 1 Corinthians 15 says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're to be pitied more than all men. In other words, if this didn't happen, you need to put your faith in someone else. Because all of our faith rests on the resurrection. The resurrection gives us the hope we need to endure the suffering in this present life. The resurrection makes it possible for us to respond rightly, even if it costs us money, reputation, or maybe even our lives. In the words of Keller, the resurrection means we can look forward with hope to the day our suffering will be gone. There are a lot of reasonable historical justifications for coming to the belief that Jesus Christ was in fact raised from the dead. Again, as I've mentioned, I think this is the third time this podcast, uh, Keller sets out so many great arguments for the authenticity of the resurrection in that video talk, Jesus Vindicated, which again, you can find under the resources section of my website. So contrary to popular opinion, you don't have to check your brain at the door to believe the gospel. In fact, for me personally, the Bible has been more intellectually thrilling than anything I've ever studied before. But I will say, as we come to the conclusion of our final week of this book study, that coming to faith in Jesus Christ, submitting to Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, does require a measure of faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God 
must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. As we approach this Easter season, I am praying that we would all draw near to God in faith. I'm praying that we would all be freshly amazed by the claim that Jesus, the Passover lamb, the one who is described by the prophet Isaiah and again in Acts chapter 8 verse 32 as a sheep taken to the slaughter, this Jesus who was crucified walked out of the grave. Jesus is alive and Jesus has said, as we see in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. As we know by now, our guide, Tim Keller, loves author and teacher C.S. Lewis. We probably read about 20 C.S. Lewis quotes in this book. And I want to add another C.S. Lewis quote to our list before we finish this book out. I don't think this one was in the book. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I don't think this one was in there. But regarding his faith, C.S. Lewis has been quoted as saying this, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Also, I don't know if you remember this, but way back in the before section of Jesus the King, Keller quoted an article entitled The Book That Understands Me. In that article, uh, the author recounted his attempt to compile a book that would understand him by recording every passage that particularly struck him and spoke to his condition. And after he'd collected a number of quotes, he sat down to read his book. But he found that the book did not read him as he expected. Uh, interestingly, just at that moment, his wife came by with a copy of the Bible and he took the Bible and started reading it into the night. And Keller uh, quoted the author as realizing, lo and behold, as I looked through the gospels, the one who spoke and acted in them became alive to me. This is the book that would understand me. And Keller said he had the same experience in his life. And I just want to say, as we're closing out again, I did too. Uh, the reason I have the hope I have is because like the author of that article, like C.S. Lewis in that quote I just mentioned, I've experienced personally the life-changing work of Jesus Christ in my life. I have, in the words of Psalm chapter 34, verse 8, tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Have you ever ordered something so tasty at a restaurant that you insist that someone else try it? I'm like a little bit crazy. Like Matt doesn't want to try my food and I'll be like, try. <laughs> I like make him try it. He can't stand it. Anyway, you can't fully enjoy it unless another person enjoys it with you. Or have you ever yelled for like a friend or a family member to come see a rainbow that you see outside? Why do we do that? Why do we need others to share in our joy, to complete our joy? I don't know 
why exactly we do that, but I, I believe that instinct is God-given. It's definitely a, a biblical concept for sure. Again and again, we see in scripture uh, that sharing in truth with others makes our joy complete. And I think that's because we want to be in deeper fellowship with each other. We want to experience uh, the joys and even the sorrows of life together. We actually get fulfillment out of sharing ourselves and our experience with others. And really, that's why I do this podcast. Again, because I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and I want you to taste it too. I want you to see the rainbow. But it starts with a step of faith. If you've never taken that step of faith, I want to give you the opportunity to take that step of faith now. If you don't know how to do that, I'm going to help you. I'm actually going to pray with you now. And I would ask that everyone listening pray along and pray for those who may be making this decision for the first time. Dear Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. We have nothing to offer you except ourselves. We know we've fallen short in life. Every one of us is a sinner. And we can't even promise you that we'll never sin again. We will. But Lord, we believe that Jesus Christ is God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We believe that Jesus was without sin, so he was not legally condemned to die. Yet at the hands of sinful people like us, he submitted himself to death on a cross. He paid a price he didn't owe so that we would not have to die, so that the price for our sins would be paid. And gloriously, Lord, we believe that three days after his crucifixion, he was raised from death to life and now lives seated at the right hand of the Father. These truths are not meant to be far off from us. These truths are meant to be taken in like communion. Truths that become more than ideas. Truths that become a part of us. Life that becomes ours. Faith that becomes ours. Hope that becomes ours. Love we receive and give by the power of your Holy Spirit regardless of what we face. Lord, we want that. Every single one of us wants that. For those of us that have experienced that, Lord, please increase our faith, increase our hope, increase our love, God. And for the one who has never experienced you in this way, let this be their prayer. Lord, please forgive me for my sins. I place my faith in Jesus Christ. Where I still might struggle to believe, I cry out to you, God, and I ask you to help my unbelief. I want to taste and see that you're good. Take my life and be Lord of my life. You're now the boss of me. I'm laying my life down at your feet the way Jesus laid down his life for me. Please seal me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your promise to never leave me or forsake me. Thank you that I am now yours. I am a child of the Most High God. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.
thank you so much for praying with me. I know it will take some courage, but if you just committed your life to Jesus Christ for the first time, will you please reach out and let me know? My email address is ola at amyonthehill.com. That's H-O-L-A at amyonthehill.com. It's so important for new believers, as it is for all of us, to continue to grow in the faith. So I want to encourage everyone as we break for the holiday to stay in God's word. Continue in study and prayer. If you're not already connected, get connected in a local church. You wouldn't plant seeds and expect them to grow without sunlight and water. And we need fellowship and a regular diet of God's word and prayer in order for us to grow spiritually. So I want to encourage you to not only be mindful of that, uh, but also be purposeful in making time for your spiritual well-being. As I mentioned last week, I'm planning to start another book study here on the podcast soon. I'm taking off for the Easter holiday, but the podcast will be back on May 1st. When the podcast returns, I'm going to have details for you on our next study. So don't worry. You don't need to get a copy of a book or anything over Easter break. Use this time to catch up on reading if you're behind or if you're looking for something to read, if you're already caught up and if you're looking for something to read or do in the meantime, you might want to work through one of the different uh, reading plans that you can find on the YouVersion Bible app. If you don't know about YouVersion, it is an excellent free resource. You can find out what it is and how to get it under the resources section of my website, amyonthehill.com. You can also find a link to download my favorite Bible reading plan. So if you're not sure what to do, what to read in our time off, you can definitely start working through that. I highly recommend it. Also, if you're looking for a way to stay plugged in, in between book studies, uh, I'm going to mention it again. It would be great if you got a chance to check out that Tim Keller video, Jesus Vindicated. Um, I realize now I, I might have ruined the video basically by building it up so much, but uh, no, it really is so good. Okay, so that concludes our study of the Gospel of Mark and Timothy Keller's book, Jesus the King. Thank you so much for participating in this along with me. It's been a real blessing for me to do this. I really love this. And again, the podcast will be back on May 1st. I'm going to be praying for all of you during our time off. And if you wouldn't mind praying for me, I do have a minor surgery on Monday, April 10th. So this podcast is being released um, on Sunday the 9th. So that would be tomorrow. And I realize that a lot of you will be listening to the podcast after the fact, but if you do happen to listen on the 9th or the 10th, I'd really appreciate it if you would uh, pray for the surgery. It's not a big deal. It's an out outpatient procedure, so not a huge deal, but I always appreciate the prayer, so thank you so much for that. Okay, so as we close, I'm going to ask you to quiet your heart and in faith personally receive this benediction from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.